welcome to another episode of Idea Prov. I'm here today um, to talk about, you know, some music, and I thought I'd bring in some musically inclined folks. So we have Andre and Alex here. Um, I met Alex or Andre through work, um, which was a great time. Always a good character in the hallways to chat and meet with. And he introduced me to his brother, um, which apparently is very similar to myself. So we're expecting to have a whole lot of fun today. So how are we doing, guys? How, what's, what's going on? I'm good, man. You know, just living it up. Day quarantine of, uh, what, day 90? 100? Day 90. I don't even know. I, I don't even know. I've, I've been marking the wall in my garage like uh, like it's a prison sentence. So I'll go back and check that. <laughs> totally understand. Totally understand. <laughs> so... What we really wanted to talk about today was the concept of music, right? And how music has always been known to kind of light up different parts of the brain for people. It's been known to bring people out of comas. It's been known to just elevate the human experience, right? And so there's a whole different element to it that most people neglect to try and I guess tap into there's a lot of artists out there whether it be you know musicians at home or whatever and so when it's something that's so kind of life-changing like how can we get more people to make music sing and just kind of get out of their heads and you know just bring that craft to the world right because you got to think you know it's, it's one of those common things that's been in um in human history for forever so like why don't we share it more often there's so many people out there that just don't want to so my first inclination of why this is an issue is of course insecurity right people just are afraid people are going to tell say that their stuff is trash or they have a horrible voice or whatever the case may be but there's so many you know shows whether it's the voice or whatever that are all based around singing so why don't more people just do it and stop judging themselves? And I'm, I, do you want to rock, paper, scissor? Oh, he's going to go first. It's, it's free for all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, don't know, I mean, a lot of it is probably fear of judgment from other people, you know? So it's not only them judging themselves. Um, I think it's, people are more concerned about, well, I don't want to make that generalization, but a lot of people are concerned about how other people will perceive them. Um, and I think that's, they might feel that their value is based off of someone else's opinion when their value should be based off of their own opinion. Like what you think about yourself is more important than what other people think about you. And it's that, and if you're just doing something, especially if you're in front of people, that's just, you know, I mean, that's a, that's like public speaking times 10. Because most people can publicly speak, they can talk in front of crowds, but then you have to sing. So it's like you're demonstrating a skill in front of people. And that's like a whole new layer of like, oh, I, I need a new pair of underwear before I go up on stage or before I like, you know, because you're about ready to shit your pants. And, you know, I mean, there's, oh, sorry. I run a lot of curse on here. You can bleep that out. No, you can go ahead. We actually already no, started. Yeah, yeah we, can, we can change it to explicit. <laughs> I said we should blur we change the format of this podcast real fast. We should bleed out our first words like epic meal time. That's what I recommended because I said that's really <laughs> Yeah, but it can't be just a bleep. It's got to be like a different sound. Maybe it's like the sound of your piss that you took earlier. 
Yeah. <laughs> like a bird, like <laughs> a megaphone. <laughs> we'll we'll figure it out. We'll, 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 but Mike, we'll, we'll, we'll connect on that. Yeah, yeah. But that's my two um, cents. I, but I, now, do you mean like getting it. people to do it in general, or do it with other, like in front of people? Does that make sense? Well, I think it's I think it's both, right? So I think there's a there's a confidence level that has to be you know for in order to be able to do it in front of other people, right? You have to have some type of confidence in yourself to say. I think I'm decent and I can put it in front of other people. I think there's also an element of people in their homes or just in the safety of their homes, just trying it, like being okay to fail. So, so like having that first and say, Hey, I can do this well enough in my home to be able to do it in front of maybe my spouse or my kids or, you know, grandma and grandpa, you know, they're always going to love it. Mom or dad. Um, and then there's a different aspect of putting it out to the world. So, you know, of course, I want to talk about first, why don't people, more people just play musical instruments? Because I think that's a huge lost kind of art. I mean, me, myself, I did, let me see, I played a little piano, I played percussion for a little bit, never did any wind instruments, but, you know, I knew how to read music. My family was always very musically inclined. Um, you know, I grew up in the island, so it's like that drum beat is a constant thing in like all of our music roles, calypso, soca, reggae, you know, all that kind of stuff. And as I got older, I definitely jumped into more, you know, like hip hop. And then I listened to, you know, the other day I was geeking out to some of the Eurovision tracks from 2020. Like, and so my musical variety is all over the place and I take a little bit of inspiration. I haven't played in a long time, but it's one of the things that I kind of want to start getting back into. Um, but I think for me, it really helped, I guess, focus my energy a little bit and kind of got me comfortable with being uncomfortable about doing things that I might not be good at, you know, just practice, right? And so it's usually one of the things that gets cut. And so like, that's why I want to talk to you guys because I know Andre plays a little music and I'm assuming, you know, with you guys' background, it gotta be some musically inclined somewhere, you know? So, uh, yeah, ironically enough, I, I don't think I really um, got too much into like our background with you, Mike, but um, <clears throat> so I think, and I don't want to speak on behalf of Alex, but like we grew up in a very musically inclined household for the most part. Like both of my parents were not shy about singing. They enjoyed music. I mean, like when we were little kids, we grew up listening to CDs and records. And, like, you know, if something new came out and it was catchy or my dad liked it, you know, like it, it got bought and it was played. Like that music was probably like the one thing my parents um, were good about sparing no expense. Like I, I remember going to, God, my first concert was they took us to uh, Anita Baker on New Year's Eve when I was like six. Yeah, five or six. So, you know, like, <clears throat> I was early awake. You know, we went as a family. Yeah, it was really good. But that was just, that was a household we were in. You know, we're, they were very good about singing. And, um, and I think I pretty much got into it because of Alex. Alex signed up for chorus in, I don't know, fourth grade. And I couldn't ride my bike home by myself. So I would sit and wait with Alex. And then it turned into like me reading music with him and then me singing in a chorus along with him. And then, you know, our oldest brother played saxophone in middle school, um, which turned into when we hit middle school, we played saxophone. So Alex played saxophone, I think longer than I did. He played uh, for two or three years, right? 
Uh, it was a little longer than that. It was uh, close to four. It's about four years. Yeah, played for a year, and then I joined Chorus because Chorus was just kind of like what what seemed to click with me best. And then um, and then Alex Alex had always been really good about like Alex is a type of person that like can just figure stuff out. Like if, if it's a random thing, like like if it's a skateboard, Alex will figure out a skateboard. Like surfing, Alex would pick up a surfboard and get out there and he's like, would pick it up right away. It's just, he's very, very inclined like that. So Alex learned drums. And then I had a friend that had basically uh, kind of convinced me to play guitar and I wanted to learn how. So Alex and I actually had a band um, when we were in college for a couple years. And we weren't great or anything, but we got up and we played. And, like we would, you know, we wrote music and we played together and um, and it was really helpful that you had, for one, somebody to bounce music off of in your house. It makes it really easy. Uh, and two, when you have a drummer and a guitarist, you more or less can have like a band. You know, like the White Stripes exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's all they are. <laughs> so that was pretty much us. You know, we'd sit down and we'd write stuff or we'd go, hey, how does this sound? And we'd give this input or like, you know, I can't drum, but I can say, like, what if you did, like, a, you know, like, I try and do my best to, like, mouth through what I think a drum should sound like. <laughs> and, uh, Those are always really good, too. Really good He's like, no, no, like, do, do, dak, do, dak. And I'm like, and I think I do it. And they just, no, 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 that's not what I'm trying to. And it would be, like, ten minutes of me just him trying to, like, mouth a fill oh, on the drums. It was just but really we fun. always figured it out. But, but, but you get yeah. what I mean? Like, you, you kind of learn the group off each other and figure it out and uh and you know i mean this is like through college we played and um i i think for us we were a little comfortable with being uncomfortable right and i think it's because we had that level of encouragement or like when i was learning guitar i sucked but when alex was relearning drums he also kind of sucked so as we were progressing together alex Alex could figure out how to do a drum fill or something, and I'd go, oh, that sounds like this. And then I would try and play a guitar part over it, and then that's kind of how we would get better. Um, I'm also pretty sure that there was a point where my parents were ready to, like, just burn the house down so they wouldn't have to hear yeah. <laughs> just any more. Smother me in my sleep one music. night, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's every parent. I mean, like, my, my parents, like, loved, there was always, like, we used to call it, like, Soka Saturdays, right? So we'd get up and everybody would like clean like their room and a part of the house and it was just kind of our, our normal thing we'd turn on music and blast it across the house and sometimes it would be soaking in the morning and then other times it would be random stuff it'd be like 50s tunes uh, you know or, or 60s or of course my parents you know their their heyday was the 70s so they would you know bring out like earth wind and fire and all the rest of them and it was really you know kind of good engaging type stuff um we'd sing along and do you know all those kinds of things but like i always kind of got to maybe i was just one of the lucky ones that was able to partake in that on a consistent basis and that led me to be more musically inclined and then there's some people that just didn't so i was thinking is is it is it just that family unit that needs to instill it early or can you learn it later well i think you brought up a really good point right it's i think there's a lot of um it's normalizing it, right? So it's not, I guess, thinking from a background perspective, it doesn't really matter, I guess, where you get it. Uh, and I say that because, so our guitarist, when we were in a band, our guitarist Danny, his mom was not like a musical person. Like, I don't think she, like, I think she played music because it was just noise in the background. 
but there was nothing about like Danny's mom was like, oh man, I can't wait to go get the new whatever album came out today. Um, but Danny, Danny's mom was really into religion and church. So they went to church. Danny was interested in music. So Danny learned to play music because he was in the church band. Like that's, you know what I mean? So I don't, I don't think mm -hmm. he got into music until he was probably, like, it's still young, but called seven, eight, nine, right? But I don't think he was particularly in a musical household. He ended up going to a place and I think there was that level of um, inclusion, right? I, I can't imagine any church saying like, oh, you want to learn an instrument? That's done, go sit down, right? They're probably like very inclusive. Hey, no, come on in, you know, absolutely. We'll show you, here's, you know, here's what we're doing. Welcome, all, all, everybody's welcome, right? So I think, I think it all starts with normalizing it, right? Something that just says like, you know, it's okay to come up here and sound stupid and, and maybe you suck, um, but at least you know there's that there's that um, there's that comfort in knowing that you're not going to be so badly judged for it. Well, like, if I were to imagine, like, I I, I suck at sports, like. I, I'm pretty sure after my first year of playing baseball, like my coach probably walked up to my parents and said, "Hey, you should maybe think about getting him like a piano." Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but again, it was something that like I knew I wasn't good at it, and I got a lot of discouragement from it because I wasn't very good at it. And I think because it was a team sport, it was also kind of like, "Hey, you're bringing us all down." So I found something <laughs> that I was better at, <laughs> which was ruthless, right? <laughs> But but I think right you have you have those interactions and like I, I don't get me wrong I like I love baseball but I will not ever play like on a travel team because I'm I'm not good at it but I know that right so I, if I know it's a fun league or something like that like I'll I'll be a little more open to it so again I think it's right that inclusion something that you're explaining or letting somebody know like it's not that serious it's something that's for fun you know, like <laughs> karaoke Bring me. yeah. Um, Karaoke is a good story. I always forget about that. And, and you know what the best part about karaoke is? There's usually alcohol involved. And that always that's helps like, just a little bit. Maybe that's what you need to do to get everybody to start playing more music. Just get them hammered and start throwing instruments at them. <laughs> Don't get the whole you world know? drunk, throw instruments and make it happen. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, it, there was a lot there. So it, like kind of what you're getting at, it's, it's a combination of um, exposure, um parenting to a certain degree like being okay with like letting your kids know that it's okay to suck <laughs> you know be like hey you're not going to be good at this and that's all right you know just try to enjoy it for what it is and then a personal interest in whatever that music is and then depending on like the environment you're in so like you know when i joined band it was like our, our first day of band in like the sixth grade and i got a saxophone we sounded terrible as a unit like everybody sucked there was like only maybe one or two kids that already knew how to play an instrument and the rest of us it was just noise and, but you got to be okay then even if you're embarrassed you gotta look around and be like everybody else is just as bad as i am it's like going to a club and nobody knows how to dance you know what I mean? Then you're not going to feel as bad going out there, but like, oh, who cares? Look at the rest of these rejects. And then you're like, I'm just going to, I'm going to fit right in. Worst case scenario. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that has a lot to, you know, a lot to do with it. It's just, you know, having that, uh, having the interest, having the courage to do something in front of people that they're uncomfortable with, or, you know, like doing something you're uncomfortable. And then on top of that, being okay with like looking kind of dumb, you know, and you kind of have to have no shame sort of to like get going, to, yeah. to not get discouraged when you're doing something new. 
But I think, yeah. I think that's like a desensitizing thing. Like you, when you do something enough times, like it's that level of inclusion. If somebody, like, if I see somebody that's dancing terribly and they're like, "Come on in, man, come have a good time," and you're like, "Well, they look terrible," and they're okay with being uncomfortable and being ridiculous, like you're, you, you're more inclined to jump in and like do something silly or stupid or try to, right? Yeah. So maybe everybody has to start with like a weird owl song. And it's funny because it's like all, all those friends. Weird Al song would be a good start. Is <laughs> those those weird parameters, right? Because I didn't realize how much the silliness would be a factor, right? Like, so sing where kids do stuff, you know, you're dancing around the house. I think that's normal in a lot of, I guess you could be, maybe you could say normal sometimes, yes or no. Um, but I, I can't remember how many like thousands of little beats or dances that me my brother my dad my uncles you know sometimes my mom would make and or create with random objects and make it like an instantaneous dance party so you know everybody has songs in their heads right and so i remember you know, my brother would come and he would have like a wooden spoon or whatever, and he'd be stirring the pot and he'd just start tapping on the top of the pot. And then somebody else would grab a piece of glass or like my dad would grab his glass and with his his wedding ring, he would make the next, you know, tunes on on the glass. And of course, then I grab, you know, a little piece of uh, like a flexible um, cutting board and I'm adding like the melody or something like that. And next thing you know, we have like a full blown dance party in the kitchen for no reason. You know, it's stupid, it's ridiculous. It makes a lot of sense though. The music's not that great. Yeah. Have you heard you of Stomped? <laughs> you basically, you missed it. You missed your big break. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man, we could have made millions. But look, like you guys made a game out of it. You made, you made something that became fun like and and i think that's what makes a big difference you know so um so shannon my wife i know you guys know her but my wife shannon has played piano since she was three like think about that like i'm at three years old i'm pretty sure that i still was not mastering the toilet but shannon was already learning piano um because she just music and her brain just work like it just it, it makes sense i mean she's um I talked to her about that the other day as you know you mentioned this this uh this topic and, and we got a conversation about it and i said you know how how serious or how like intricate were the pieces you were playing when you were a kid and she said well when i was seven or eight i was playing like you know 18 page pieces for recitals and, and she hated playing in front of people and she hated playing i think because it became work for her mm-hmm. um so to put it in perspective, you know, she's like, oh, I was paying, playing these 18 page things. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm like, well, what's Solfeggiato? Which is a song that I know that she plays. And she like, she could, she could be blindfolded and play that song beginning to end on piano. And she's like, oh, that's about three pages. Um, so to think that she memorized something that's 18 pages as such a young kid is insane to me. Um, but also I think those memories for her, like she hears some songs and they may have like some some like happy memories of like this song reminds her of her grandma or she likes this or something but for the most part i think a lot of this like when she gets the idea of playing in front of people her experience is like oh it was terrible like this was like a job i was a seven or eight year old kid stress. sat down and 
Yeah. Exactly. I had to play these pieces in front of these families and all these people. And, and she's like, every single time I had to do this, despite the fact she did it over and over and over and over and over again, was an uncomfortable, like, experience for her. Yeah. Like, you know, she, with the exception of playing in front of, like, her mom or a few of us, it's, it's hard for her, right? So, and she's a freaking prodigy. Like, if I could play any, if I could play kazoo as well as she plays the piano, like, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be a YouTube star. I don't know. Or maybe like um, a recorder. That'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> I, actually, that would be. I wouldn't. They have a whole commercial with that now. Like a like a, a, a Facebook group, and it's like they all play the recorder and like find your group oh, or whatever. It is. Oh, the kazoo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. I love it. But that's my point, right? She's she's somebody who's who's gone through the experience of like music's introduced at a young age as a child. She has some very positive memories of piano. It's something that um, invokes and brings up good memories for her. She's, um, I would imagine it's probably helped her quite a bit through her life from a uh, learning and educational perspective. I'm just very smart, she got a master's degree. Um, but the idea of playing in front of people, I think, will instantly uh, make her like just have knots in her stomach. It's just something that hasn't gone away for her. Well, that's almost at this point. It's it's you got to think about like, just from a purely behavioral. Because all right, so I took a, this a couple of behavioral analysis classes uh, when I was an undergrad a long time ago, and it was basically you know it's like training a mouse to like you know oh pick up this marble and put it over here, and then you get fed or whatever. But the 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 thing that's interesting is a lot of these principles actually carry over to people and their subconscious behavior. And you got to think about what it is, is she's constantly associating something that, you know, maybe she might enjoy, but she's turning something that she enjoys and she enjoys into something that's stressful. You're like, this is invoking stress and this is a bad experience and it's a repeated exposure over and over and over and over again. So now whenever you think about playing the piano, even if you're not consciously thinking about like, oh, okay, no big deal, I'm just playing the piano, it might be at the same time like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that because you've already associated it with something negative. You know what I mean? There might be something to that. Yeah. So, do you, do you think that that's possible to be rewired? I mean, I'm sure it is, probably with enough time and exposure. Oh, yeah, now, would, would you particularly want to go about doing that? I, I feel like so, that'd be a daunting task. Mike, I was just thinking about that because, so, you know, we've got a seven month old and that's something that I, um, like this kid is going to end up in a musical household. Like Chan and I are, are we listen to music, like I play him records all the time, like he gets lulled to sleep to one or two songs I know he likes. And it's funny because you, you know, songs come on, you can tell the peak's interest. So it's like, I feel like he, he gets it, he understands that there's, there's something about it he's interested in. And I'm pretty sure that Shannon would do anything for this kid, right? There's no doubt in my mind, right? So I think that if there's a way to program, uh, like, like a happy thought to it, right? We have a piano, like, hey, why don't you play him some songs on piano? And if she starts getting a reaction out of him, I think that's something where she would be more inclined of like, you know, if he came home one day and said like, hey, mom, I want you to play piano for my friends. She'd probably feel less stressed out about it because now it's got a, yeah. a positive yeah. sentiment to it, I guess. Um, I mean, I, I feel like there, there might be a way My My Holy. first thought was like, just make it fun. Just try to make yeah. it fun again. Yeah, like find a way to rewrite those memories to associate them with positive thoughts. Yeah. Hmm. Well, my first thought was like easing, right? So I think what made, um, so I've, I've always, 
Um, I jokingly say I'm like an ambivert because I, I'm good when I speak in a small group of people, but once I like a fifth or sixth person walks in the group, I'm like, oh god, right? You get a little, get a little clammy. Um, <laughs> and and that's of course like just exemplified when we would play. Um, on a positive note, never thought I'd ever say this, but the good part about like nobody ever coming to see us play, other than like a handful of people that we already know who've already seen us play, um, is that you become a little more comfortable in that group, right? Um, so I almost feel like we had like eased exposure <laughs> into playing in front of people. So like, you know, Alex and I would play inside a garage, and then like it would be us playing with you know the rest of the band, and then it'd be like Shannon, and then like later it'd be like Shannon and Shannon's friend, or it'd be like you know us, and then like our girlfriends are watching, or like some family, right? So so it's that like eased in of like yeah. okay, we're playing for people, but now <laughs> we're playing for ten people, but it's ten people you know, so it's almost um. Like, I would have to mentally tell myself sometimes when we would go play, you know, hey, we may be playing for, like, 15 people, but it's only, like, a couple more people than we've already played for, like, in the garage, right? And then 10 of these people are the people who would already be in the garage watching us, so what does it make a difference? Um, and then also, you know, I would have, like, two and a half beers before we would play. <laughs> <laughs> two and a half keg stands. <laughs> but, You're going to find that sweet spot. No, no, but it had to be no more. Somewhere or less. between that. Because if it was, yeah, because if it was less than two beer, two and a half beers, um, I was still a little nervous. But if it was more than two and a half beers, I didn't care about how sloppily I played. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, it's amazing that the bar was only two and a half beers. <laughs> what is what I can't remember his name. I think it's like something Schwartz where he's talking about like Motley Crue, they're drinking like heroin out of a fire hose, and he's like, oh, like 20 beers, and you're only having like two and a half beers. Like <laughs> <laughs> two, two, two and a half to get warmed up. It was, it was perfect. It was that right balance. And then it was like, it was like bowling. Bowling's the same way for you. Two and a half beers, right? When t- if I drink too much, it starts yeah. to get sloppy. Form, form, form slips, right? Um, you so I should research on that. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> I'm kind of mad that he knows the exact amount at which it, it tips over. Well, it's not like literally two and a half beers, but alcohol can improve your performance depending oh, on the like, hand-eye yeah, coordination. I have no doubt about it. I, mean, so. I played I played volleyball with a guy who, if if we went on the court straight first thing in the morning or during any game, he was so nervous that he couldn't set the ball. He would just, they would call his hands all the time and he would just, he would just get flustered, right? And so he just, he just couldn't do it. And so we were like, how do we get this done? Like, we need, we need this guy to play well. We'd light him up with about two to three beers before the game. Sometimes we're playing first matches at eight o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning. Like, doesn't matter. We're picking up a six pack. You're lit in the two or three. As soon as he hit like his, his beginning part of his third beer, the man's hands were golden. Golden. Well, now you have stuff like, like I don't know, like he it calms his nerves and he just goes. So I, that, like alcohol is easily a quality lubricant to be able well, to make people smooth. And and you find your balance, right? Because at the time when we would play, granted, this is probably uh, I don't know, more than ten years ago, now 10, 12 years ago. So I, I don't know. I only weighed one hundred and thirty-five, one hundred and forty pounds. You know, so like <laughs> two, two and a half years yeah, is like fair. you know. It's, that's like shooting a bear with tranquilizer. You know, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> just... 
I'd be like, all right, let's get out there and do this, you know. But but you have to be kind of half refined because um, I play rhythm guitar, Alex on drums, right? So you kind of you just like bass, right? You all kind of feed off of each other. That like leads the only one I think that could just no matter what's going on is like I can find a way to squeeze this in. Like if Alex screws up on drums, and then same thing with guitar. Alex is like, do we miss it? Do I? It's like. Did we, did we skip a part? And right, because you all try to play off each other oh my God. and figure it out. So I would always like lose count too. That would drive me crazy. I'm like, where's one? I'm like, I'm trying to find like, <laughs> like we, where's the again, start? We, like I would just get lost, and then Andy right? would always be like, oh, just, he's like, just watch me. I'll tell you. And I'm like, oh, yeah. thank you. Because otherwise, <laughs> I would just keep playing. We, we got way I would more. Have, like just after time. We got so much more refined though, because after a while it became like you and Chris were machines. So Chris is our bass player, and Chris and Alex would be like, anything that was going on in the song, Chris would turn to Alex, and literally they would just like look at each other and they would figure it out and they'd have the spot, right? So then we would have to figure out, like, yeah. we, we could, they, they, they would keep us on. Good at like the groove. Yeah. <clears throat> so those two were pretty much like, they were the ones that were really tight, and then me and the other guitarist were like, okay, if we've screwed up, we have to get back on where they are, because that's the only way the song is going to not sound like we're two different bands up here playing. Or, or like, <laughs> just kind of merge together. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to think I had three beers. <laughs> Heaven forbid. Now, do you think that we could... Like, I'm just trying to think. It. All right, if I am... John Doe, right? And I play guitar, sing, whatever the case is. How do you think that I could potentially play in front of people if I didn't see them? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I would like, yeah, if I couldn't see them. Like, so for example, maybe just a garage band or something like that. Like, I mean, this is just a crazy hypothetical situation, right? So, if you know that you're going to be playing in front of this massive amount of people, that's when the anxiety comes, that's when the stress level comes and throws you for a loop, you clam up, you don't want to do that, you create those negative experiences, right? So to get people from not being shy, I could say, hey, if they potentially don't know that they are playing in front of a large amount of people, could it work? I would think it like, could work. For example, could you could you lie to somebody and be like, hey, I just need you to play a song. It's, you know, for my grandma. It's, you know, I don't know, something's happened to her and, you know, we're, that's what it is. You think you just play one song? I'm like, okay, yeah, fine. And then, like, take them to a super large event and just have them play blindfolded. <laughs> so you're like, like well, I, I was I thinking mean, more like, I think traumatic experience, yes. <laughs> find out. Well, I, I was thinking more like you're, you have a person playing, you got like the, right, the curtain, right? You don't, you don't realize what's behind the curtain. I would think that would work, but I also think the moment that person realizes they played in front of a dozen people, like, they're going to be in therapy for a long time. Yeah. That's I think people have already kind of found a workaround to that. I mean, you got to think about, like, you play something and you put it on YouTube, right? I mean, you're technically putting that in front of, I don't know, however many people will watch it. I mean, it's not performing right in front of them, but what you are doing is, is you're putting something that you are potentially sub, uh, you know, like self-conscious about, and you're kind of putting that out in the world. And um, I, I know people do that sometimes, or, or like live stream type of things, and you don't know how mm-hmm. many people are watching. That can also be an option, especially now since we're all going to be stuck in our homes until we die because of COVID. 
<laughs> That's like the only way to communicate with each other anymore. <laughs> It'll so, die. I'm just kidding. Everything's going to work I, out. I, I feel like you have to be more brazen to put your stuff up on YouTube, right? Because I think, um, yeah, right? Anybody can view it. Um, which is awesome, right? And you're not, you don't have to play in front of someone. You're just, you're posting it somewhere and they're seeing it later. I think that's awesome. But I also think that people on the internet have no souls. <laughs> like when they sit oh. down behind them, like, oh, like they rip you behind one. the keyboard, right? When, if you, if you play in front of a group of 10 people, like if let's say you really sucked, you may have like one person who comes up to you who's your friend who's like, hey man, that, that wasn't that great. But hey, you, you know, good job trying, right? You might get that like compliment sandwich when you get on YouTube. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. A I don't, shit I don't sandwich. Give an example of what people would say. <laughs> but but let's just say that people will start <clears throat> telling you they hope that your family dies of diseases and etc. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so true. Terrible it's so things true. that yeah. they'll say because it's anonymous. Yeah, you, you gotta. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, that'll thicken up your skin really quick. And then you're like, oh, performing in front of people that will, <laughs> they only see the performance one. It doesn't like, it doesn't stay on the internet and just accumulate more hate. It could just be like a one and done. That <laughs> you do it the other way around. That's actually, you'll probably figure out like, oh, this is a way better option. Just perform in front of people and get it over with. You know? <laughs> like, you see one time and done it up there for like eternity. <laughs> no, yeah, like if you leave it up there for years, I mean, like imagine the hate snowball that comes from that. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm dying, right? I can only imagine. I can only imagine how shitty that is. I mean, in a, in a weird backhanded sort of way, it actually makes a lot of sense. Because you, you gotta think about it, like, if I'm just trying to build something and I put it out on, like, everybody to see on YouTube, if they tear me up, going in front of an audience is gonna seem like nothing. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> it's gonna if seem you, like I know, nothing. If, if you can manage to not hate yourself enough to go and play in front of people, like that, <laughs> you, you will probably do very, very well. I, I think well, actually, Yeah, I'm if you believe in yourself after that. That's your future. I'm for president. Because, <laughs> man, you got all the confidence in the world. Yeah, um, clearly. I, I think Alex, I think you brought up a really, really good option, like doing a stream. Like, so I don't, I don't know if either of you two read Reddit, um, but it's also a place <laughs> where uh, the internet is basically the toilet. <laughs> but it has a lot of very interesting articles and things. But right now they've been doing that, where you can do like a, a what's um, it's like live streaming and uh, right people are playing for strangers, right? I mean, it's, it's anonymous. Like I, I feel like putting it up on Facebook or like Instagram is almost a little more, um, there's mo more vulnerability, right? Because you know these people, you know it's somebody that like you, you may have to see again, right? It could be like your boss. Like you can go on and put up like a guitar video and your boss will walk up and be like, hey man, I saw your, uh, your Facebook Live, it sucked. Right? And that's probably gonna hurt you. <laughs> that's probably gonna burn a bit. And and like you mentioned, right, like YouTube, it's now on there for eternity or until you 
you have self-deprecation or hate yourself enough to delete it, right? Yeah. Whereas in like Reddit right now, but even then, it doesn't mean it's gone. <laughs> you can find that video in like five other places in the internet. Like three subreddits. <laughs> If, if, well, you, the, if you live stream though in a Reddit, maybe like it could, you know, maybe that's a good option. You start out, you try it out, you know, if nobody watches it, then like, okay, maybe two people watch it. And hopefully nobody says something super terrible. Yeah, you get a thumbs up and you don't get like a little poop yeah, thing yeah. that like, you know, like during live streams to have all this. Yeah. I don't right. stream often, so I don't know what all those are called, but. <clears throat> get, 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 a little, uh, get a little karma. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I thought that would kind of be the best of both worlds, right, is talk about live streaming, posting it online. What, like, if I did that, I'm just like, hey, I'm gonna sing whatever, like, sing, post it, but then I know this is probably gonna be extremely difficult, but like, don't look at the reviews. You oh, know what I mean? Yeah, like, like good. you could kind of cut it off at the source and, and be like, disable the reviews, disable the con- the comments. And you'll just have your stuff out there. Now, do I think that's massively going to help you, like get over your feeling and get more people to play? Some people, yes. I'm gonna say most people, no. It's just gonna be a video up there, some random person singing, that nobody's gonna be able to tear you to shreds from. <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I look at people, and you know, I mean, humans are we're all social creatures. And I think maybe getting people to have a sense of community, like the only reason I continue to play music is because we were in a garage band and we were playing music and it was fun. You know what I mean? So even if we sucked, like we sucked, but we were having fun. And I think that's probably a big element. Some, some days were not fun, Finding a community of people. Were a lot of yeah. Yeah. And even, even if it wasn't fun, it was still way more fun than a lot of the other things that I did regularly. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think if you end up getting, like, if you want somebody to pick up an instrument or somebody has an interest in music, finding a, a welcoming community of people that you can play music with or have those type of exchanges. So I see a lot of people online, like you're trying to learn how to play the guitar, for instance, and mm-hmm. you're just kind of sitting in your room by yourself and you're like, oh, I'm not getting anywhere with it. But if you're around other people that are like willing to show you or exchange ideas, you can listen to how somebody else is, you, you take a little bit from all these other people in an environment that's like really conducive to learning too. And, you know, I mean, that, that's what kind of keeps people going. It's like, they're not only playing cause they enjoy to play, but then they kind of have an end game. They're like, oh, I just go to these jam sessions once every couple of weeks with a couple of other friends that have guitars and we play and we sing or do whatever. And that kind of gives you a goal. So you're like practicing cause you want to play some good music. But when you're, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a, a band, mic, but like sometimes you almost kind of get into a state of flow, sort of, to where you're just kind of, you're just yeah. playing the music and you're not thinking about anything else. You're just enjoying the music. Half the time, you're not even thinking about the music you're playing. You're just moving. You're just kind of, yeah. you're, you know, you're like on a wave and you're just going. You yeah. Know, that's like, a really cool state. That, that, that's a zone. Like, I think that a lot of, I guess, musicians and you know, athletes for a certain period of time can just kind of get into or tap into in which time just kind of melts away and things just, everything kind of slows down and then feels right. So <clears throat> I was only in band for two years in middle school and I played the tri-tom. So you had the three, you know, three drums in front of you and, and um, actually no, 
it was the, the quads because there was four. Yeah. Um, and I remember maybe it was only about a month before that that I actually got to play those, and I was the only one. And so I would keep the cadence for the whole band. And we did like a strawberry festival where everybody walks through the strawberry festival, and um, you know, it was quite a few blocks. But I kept the cadence in between the songs that we would play. And I remember after the first two, I was like, okay, like it's good, but the, the drum instructor was kind of like he was very rigid. Right, and I remember me and the rest of the percussion people, we wanted to add a little oomph to it. Like we're having all these people like lining the sides of the streets watching us play. Like, why do we want to play like boring stuff? Like, let's play some fun yeah. stuff. And so whenever we would play the songs, all right, yeah, we, we had to play the songs. But in the middle, in the cadences, so that way everybody could walk in step, I was like, you know what? Screw it. Like, we are we're playing something like catchy, whatever, and. I remember I would just change up that that cadence to where it was like a little bit of a remix. Sometimes, sometimes I would slow it down. Sometimes I would get the cadence. And like the rest of the band loved it. Like I could see it in their faces. Like they were looking at me. Like, like are you are you really gonna do this? Like you're gonna be in so much trouble if you if you get off off beat and just do your own thing right now. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like let's, let's go. It's it's happening. And I did it. And I remember, yeah, I got in a whole bunch of trouble. But like, I remember at the end, it was so difficult because our band director was a guy, like I said, that was rigid. But all of the parents were like, "That was so much fun!" Like, who added all those extra little beats and those little nuggets? And he's looking at me in the corner of his eyes with like laser beams cutting my <laughs> head in half. And I'm like, "What do you want me to do?" Like, like but you know, everybody what? loved it. But you found something fun that. Right, it changes it for you a little bit. And, and I would say, like, uh, when I think back to like middle school, right? So I, I played saxophone. Out of all of us, I played the least amount of time. I played. It was okay. It was okay. I was I was not as uh, musically inclined on the saxophone as Alex or Oliver Ivan. Um, but what what we did enjoy is um, Ivan usually would find songs that we all enjoyed. And those were the songs that he would get like sheet music for. So like, for instance, do you remember uh, Funkified by the Brat? Ooh, yeah, that's way back. <laughs> yeah, like dun, 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 dun. And that was, mm -hmm. um, that was a, who did he sample the beat from? That was uh, Isley Brothers in the Sheets, if I remember right, or between the Sheets. Yeah, it was, it was right? sped up a little okay. bit, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> so um, I, if, if I remember right, that was a song. So, um, but like Ivan would bring home sheet music. So like he found a song that we liked and that's what we would learn like in our free time, right? So we'd go up there and we'd play Yankee Doodle or Achy Breaky Heart or whatever random crap that it was like we yeah. to play. I don't know. <clears throat> and then we would go home and we would play, you know, Functified on, on our on the saxophone, yeah. right? So you find that thing that makes it fun to you that doesn't feel so rigid, right? Um, so I think even like that brings up a really good point too of like how do you get somebody comfortable with that stuff like i think it's finding the right fit in the music right so like <clears throat> when we started playing music together um we had no idea like what we wanted to sound like or like what the music was it was just like i had i had had a guitar i would write down some stuff and if like a note sounded pretty to me i was like oh, okay this i kind of like this and then i would write it down and um, or I try and remember it or I record it, and then you know I play it for Alex and Alex would go, hey, I got this idea for a drum beat, and um, 
the the funny part is like we all had very different like tastes in music you know like i, I listen to probably like of, of the bunch i probably listen to like the more like mellow acoustic rock stuff or like you know just really you know like the emo music and then like our our bassist listen to what i can only describe as like it's not even like genre of music it's like grindcore hardcore like like it's music that's almost not even music like it just starts yeah. as you're like it's it's a seven second song of a guy going ah, you know and you just mm-hmm. it wouldn't make any sense yeah. but that's what he enjoyed um and then like alex at the time i mean you listen to everything but you would listen to like more metal stuff to the point of like you would listen to like afro beat and then like jazz fusion yeah. and then i'd walk into your room and you hear like yeah. it'd be like like indian music yeah it'd be whatever it was that was like yeah alex and dude the the percussion for indian music is insane have you actually <laughs> listened to it it's <laughs> so good yeah but that's my point like alex, yeah, alex had a lot. very diverse palette and then and then alex and i grew up literally we grew up listening to rb like the i have i yeah, probably still to this day have, like every brian mcknight album i ever made like this is the stuff that we yeah. grew up to brian so mcknight keith different. sweat exactly yeah. very very Donald different jones what we played mm-hmm. <laughs> but us all kind of coming together and we found like a sound that worked for all of us that we're like hey this has some elements of like Alex can throw in some drum beats that are really liked, and then Chris could throw in like some aggressive bass, uh, right? Or do like a heavy bass beat, and then like Danny, Danny listened to just metal at the time, and oh, metal and like like uh, what would you call like like dirty gospel? Gospel? <laughs> no, no, like, like that uh, different type of sound, <laughs> like, like that like stoner, like beach, beachy, like it's not really quite oh. reggae. It's like the like. I, I, I don't know what the correct term I don't know what that genre would the, be. The genre. But it's still like, mm. it's still like sublime type stuff, I guess. Like yeah. sublime, red hot chili peppers. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. I, I, I can't think like the slightly stupid, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, again, very different genres that we all come together and like found our deal. Guarantee that if I learned playing guitar, because somebody sat down and he's like, hey man, I'm gonna teach you some reggae and guitar. I'd be like, I don't know if this fits for me. Or if Alex is like, hey, I found this amazing, like, Middle Eastern, like, random thing. He's like, you got to try and play this guitar, bro. I'd be like, right? It, yeah. it probably wouldn't have fit. It wouldn't have fit. But yeah. Again, yeah. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Like, we, we, we found, like, that groove that fit us. Uh, and I think that's part of it, too, right? I mean, it, it's somebody finding, like, that that sound that that thing it's that it's that calypso right it's your it's your calypso yeah. it's, it's that yeah it's that sound you gotta find you gotta find your tribe right exactly yeah, right like, you gotta find the people and the stuff that run with you that that gets it yeah. that is going to be that welcoming kind of like environment that's going to allow you to like learn and, and flourish and try different random stuff that you don't know if it'll yeah. work and, and, and allow you to be bad yeah. um and then from there like that's going to kind of remove that shyness i guess you could say remove that like timidness that anxiety from you and just allow you to kind of play more freely and i think over time like that can work well you know when we when we first started playing we had i remember when i brought in uh my buddy chris uh because we had uh so my cousin played my cousin plays music he had a band and stuff like that so we went to go play for him we were like hey we wrote a couple of these songs you know we want we want you to hear them and uh 
So Alex and I drove down there. We go to Miami and end up my my buddy Danny brings his friend Tony. Do you remember that kid, Alex? He literally was there for like once. He played bass for us. And, uh, and the Tony. first thing yeah. that like, my cousin said, he's like, yeah, he, he's like, you guys all sounded really good. He's like, but, uh, he's like, what was that guy there for? He's like, you know, was he, he's like, was he just a normal support? Like, do you just need a fourth body? You know? Because it just didn't, it just didn't fit, right? We like, we taught him the songs. Yeah. And he, like, he would get up and he would play and he was, he was interested in learning, but it just wasn't his fit. And so I bring in my buddy Chris, who like, again, listens to these, like, he's in these crazy death metal bands. He like has played all this random stuff. But I knew he had a very wide variety of music and a big palette of music. And I was like, hey, I want to play these songs. You know, this is what we're working on. I know you've been in band, just like, let me know what you think. I knew, you know, I kind of knew it was a safe space. And he, uh, and he hears everything and he's like, wow. He's like, that's, uh, he's like, I like it. This, this is good. He's like, do you guys still need a bassist? And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, do you want to play? And he's like, oh, hell yeah. You know, so he like, you know, so we, we all met up and we like, he tried to figure, you know, we all, we all like met up and figured out a, a, a place and practice. And um, actually we're, we're practicing because we're playing, oh God, Alex, we're playing uh, uh, Outback's Christmas party or Outback's, Outback's uh, two year party or something like that, or for the store. Oh, right? is at the pavilion? Yeah. Oh yeah. And they were like, uh, it was either that or it was Monica. I, I can't remember which one, what it was. So we both worked it out back. Yeah. Uh, also, we all worked it out. I just assume everybody on this planet has worked it out back. <laughs> Somebody from their family worked it out back. Some, someone from the family has, has always worked it out back at one point in time. Um, so, so we were like, we were practicing for that show. We were like, oh, okay, we, we committed to something. We were like, we have to play in front of people. We have yeah. committed to do this. It's people that we know and work with. Oh God, like we have to be ready. Uh, and thankfully that was steadily how we figured out how much alcohol helps with the stage rest. Um, <laughs> trial and error. Yeah, trial and error. Um, but it was like, but it clicked so much more, right? We found that fourth person, we found that cog, that person that, that like was inclusive. It just kind of fit the try, right? Figured out the sound. He's like, hey, and he added a new layer of stuff that because he had experience with it, I think he taught a little bit. He taught all of us a little bit of stuff, right? Even if it wasn't like he didn't play drums, but he knew how to articulate drums better than Alex. And he would help Alex with stuff. Or he would say, hey, try this and see how this sounds. And, you know, sometimes it would sound bad. And then sometimes Alex would go, well, hey, how about if I do it this way? And it would fit, right? But point being is it was. We, we all found that inclusive group. We found the right sound that we all found some sort of interest to, even though it was like not really any of our genre at the time. Like, I didn't think we yeah. knew it was like a genre. It, like, we, ended, we ended up finding more bands after we became a band because people would be like, oh, you kind of sound like this band, but crappier. And they'd be like, oh, and then we'd go <laughs> home and look up that band and be like, this band's awesome. We should try and sound like them, yeah. right? Like, yeah. But yeah. but we had no clue. We would just we would pick it up and we just played what sounded like it worked for us. I don't know. Well, if I I don't know if I had to imagine like what our sound was like or how we found it was just. I guess if everybody's musical preference was like one of the circles on a Venn diagram, it was just kind of like where all of them would overlap, <laughs> and that's kind of where we landed, you know. And that's kind yeah. of where our sound kind of came from. To where I mean, it's everything yeah. from like, you know, jazz and R and B to like. 
death metal or like the sound of somebody screaming over, you know, a dumpster fire or something like, you know, oh, filling up a landfill with metal objects and screaming to like, you know, like it was like all of these things and we just kind of found something that, you know, we liked and it fit us, you know, it fit us for the time. So. Well, the, the great part is we would take some of those elements, right? So obviously it wasn't like we weren't growing metal objects in the landfill for recording. Although now I wish we had, because that would have been so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but we would take like, you know, at least I, be like I, an I intro like or an outro. That, oh, it would have been so good. Now I'm like regretting so much. Um, but we would, but we would take like elements. Like I like the mellow stuff, right? So every song usually had like a little breakdown area that was just guitar, and it was kind of mellow. Literally, almost every song had something like that. And then we had like a heavy buildup because the bassist and the guitarist listened to heavier music, so they were all about that. Mm-hmm. And Alex was really big into instrumental music, also, and that helped. So I think that gave a lot of elements to it, right? You kind of get anything that's just no lyrics, a little bit more mellow part. Alex had a lot more liberty to like add in some drum fills, do something beforehand, do something afterwards, right? Good buildups. And he was really good about putting good buildups within the song, right? So within the bridge of the song or the verse, he had a lot of freedom. So I, I think we all kind of found that groove what we liked. I mean, we literally had like a song that, to Alex's point, like we grooved one day and we weren't intending to. It was just like a random guitar piece that we started playing or somebody was playing or him, somebody was playing someone. I, I think you and Chris started jamming drums and bass yeah. or something. And then we were like, you're talking about like instrumental, like number nine or whatever it is. No, it was was number two. And number two. two. Actually, and and number three, number three, I think was ended up that way too. We had, we had to name them, but we didn't know to name them. So they were just called instrumentals. But that's, but that's how we found it, right? It was like, we weren't a jam band, but we, we found something that just kind of worked. And we're like, well, I don't know how lyrics would fit to this. And maybe, maybe we add it later. Maybe we don't, right? But for right now, it's just, we found something. We're in the wave. Like, let's just keep piling on and see what the reception is on it. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a huge point is just to just keep that wave whenever you can find it, right? Like, don't try and fit that wave in a box or a genre or a type or have a future thought to that wave or we're going to do this with it later, we're going to do that with it. Just like, I guess that's where that fun comes in, that love for playing music is just the most important right so like whatever it is just get to that point wherever you can find it and just hold on to it for as long as you can i think we sat and played yeah. if it was like if i remember it was instrumental number two i still remember we found the song we were in chris's garage we're playing we kind of figured out this group I remember that. and we're like we can't stop we, we literally couldn't stop <laughs> and we would play for an hour um like we'd try and play at least like an hour a couple times a week like whenever we were you know didn't have to work in the restaurant and um we were just like we can't stop playing because we're not gonna find this again and then like as soon as we stopped we're like we're trying to write stuff down we're like where where was i playing this guitar piece or how did we start it and then of course like when we tried to play it again it took a little bit to find the groove again yeah i mean it took a lot of practice to, to figure out what it was that came so naturally to us that one time it was crazy um but it, but it worked, right? And I think that was like, when we did that, even though I was very, very shy about playing in front of people, that was the one that I was like, I can't believe we came up with this damn thing. 
bring like bring on the droves. Like if there were people standing behind us, I'd, yeah. I, that was like the one thing that I'd be like, I'm really proud that we put out this stupid song that doesn't have any words that we had no idea what we were doing because it just kind of fit. Huh. Honestly, I'm kind of disappointed our whole album didn't, or, or e, I guess it would be an EP, didn't like sound, that, that was my favorite song out of all the songs that we had. And I think it wasn't, not that it was like that much better than everything else. I think it was just the way that that song made me feel, like the way we just kind of fell on it. And we were like, oh my God, this is just, a, it just had a, I don't know, just the, the between the tone and it's a little jazzy. all the pieces from all the different guitars. Yeah, it was a little jazzy, a little bit rock. Like, I mean, man, I wish, I don't think we have it. Do you have the recording? I, I don't I, have I any have of them. I have it somewhere. I have a really, really crappy version, I think, when we played, uh, like, Wallflower Gallery before they shut down the fifth night. <laughs> yeah. There was, like, we, a hole in the wall place to where they would have, like, venues. small bands. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because we didn't really have a following. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Whenever we played the Wallflower Gallery, it was, like, the Save the Wallflower Gallery show, where they're like, we'll book anybody if you can bring anyone who can pay for the $5 cover to get someone. So you were the reason all these places went out of business, then. <laughs> That's very awesome. They let us play. Them. We wasted their time. We, we waited until they were almost out of business, and they were like, "Yeah, that's fine. We're closing anyways. You can play through." Yeah, we'll just play. <laughs> <that way. laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. They're already defeated. Great. I, I think I think we nailed it, guys. I just I'm thinking from a time perspective, like I think it's a max of like two hours, and we got like 20 minutes left. So I'm like, I want to make sure that you guys get your little kind of like segment at the end. But to like wrap up, we're looking like. To get people out of their shyness and play music a little bit more often, it helps to have a musically inclined family. But even if you don't, the key things that we want to, people to take away are you want to make it fun. You want to find a way to be able to make sure that you're enjoying your time and not as, and associating it with positive things versus negative. You definitely want to find your tribe. So like a beginner's group or some type of welcoming community from a musical standpoint, maybe people that are playing the same instruments as you or or uh, singing the same style of music or having the same interest in music. So that way you can find like people um, to be able to make that segue into playing music on a regular basis and being okay with your music. Um, easier for people to be receptive. Um, of course, alcohol helps, but not everybody can drink alcohol, especially like little young kids and stuff like that. So, um, but there's easier ways to be able to be okay with just making, be okay with being a little silly, getting around comfortable people. Um, karaoke is a good way to do it because you can play different instruments and do that. Live streaming, putting it out there. So just that way you have the option for people to be able to see it, even if they might not comment or whatever, but it'll help thicken your skin. So I feel like that's a good, pretty good framework for anybody that's starting out to be able to say, all right, how do I get out of my own head and at least try, or if I am playing music, like put it out there for other people to see. Yeah. Seems pretty good? Sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds pretty good. Excellent. All right. So what else has been on you guys' mind? This is like co-creator segment. What's been something that's been, that you've been attacking, thinking about, um, want to break down, shout out, maybe you got a business or something like that, or, you know, a new project of your own. Uh, can I do my plug? Are you okay with that? Do you plug it? Okay. 
So uh, one thing that I always want to talk about because I think that it's uh, pretty important is um, I want to talk about Feeding Tampa Bay. So it's an organization, it's, it's tied to a larger organization, which I believe is called Feeding America. Um, but Feeding Tampa Bay is something that uh, is kind of near and dear to my heart. And I say that because um, on top of growing up in a very music, musically uh, involved family, I would say we are a family that likes to eat um, like a lot. And like a lot, like we all really, really like to eat. Um, you know, I grew up in a, a pretty, I'd say more or less typical Cuban household. Um, and I think that, you know, we, we, we grew up understanding and learning that like food is, food is something that you show, uh, food is something that you provide to show people you care, right? It's something mm-hmm. that's, it's like showing love with food, right? Show so love, that, yeah. that's, Exactly, right? So it's, 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 I think it's a very common, like, island thing. I know it's definitely a very typical Latin thing. Um, but I always grew up, right, we ate good. And that's that's uh, some of the best moments that I have in my life are, like, spending time cooking or spending time in the kitchen with family or around a dinner table, right? Um, so I think the idea that there are people who live in our community who don't have food is insane, right? We're in the wealthiest country in the world, and uh, you know we're we're all very fortunate to be in the situations that we're in uh, because I never have to worry about where my next meal is coming from. Um, so I think the idea that people do have to worry about that, considering it's a basic necessity, right? Food, water, um, shelter. So, anyways, organization called Feeding Tampa Bay. They provide services to the ten counties within uh, West Central Florida. Um, their focus is on a hunger-free Tampa Bay. I just I want to plug it. It's a great organization. Every year, I try and do something at work called Cereal for Summer, which is just you know getting donations for those kids who likely get their food from school for free, right? That's probably their one good or hot meal a day. So collecting cereal so they can distribute it to those kids who are no longer getting food over the summer. Um, it's just, right, it's giving to your community and it's giving somebody that basic necessity and it's, uh, you know, food is, is showing somebody a love and care, right? So uh, just here's my plug. It's a real simple thing. You go to the grocery store, you know, buy an extra can, you know, buy yeah. two cans stack them up every single time you go to the grocery store once a month go do a drop off right it'll cost you a dollar every single time you go to the store and you are going to literally be saving somebody's life or being that hot meal for somebody right so it's just it's a it's a great organization it's a nonprofit. you know feedingtampabay.org uh and that's a plug excellent alex you got anything for us um i have entirely too many things that are going through my head right now. Um, I have no affiliation with any uh, anything that I'm about to mention uh, or any of these, um, whatchamacallit, uh, organizations. But probably my biggest take home thing is to, I know this sounds real, I've been doing a little bit of soul searching lately, if that makes any sense. And, um, like everybody has. <laughs> yeah, well, not that I've had a ton of time to think I've actually been, this is the busiest I've ever been like, yeah. before. It's absolutely insane. Um, just because of my job was moved to, because I work remotely now, I work from home. But now I, I do a lot of other things that we weren't doing pre-COVID. 
and then now I have to do it like online. So it's now mm-hmm. in a, on a digital platform. So, and I'm not super tech savvy. But all of that to say is, I know right now it's probably, it's tough on a lot of people. This is kind of what's going on just generally in the United States is pretty disheartening <laughs> from mm-hmm. every aspect. Like I'm kind of on a, uh, I'm on a news diet because it's starting to give me like borderline debilitating anxiety with just everything that's going on uh, between, you know, uh, all the protests and um, COVID <laughs> people just, it's, it's, it seems like madness to be honest. And kind of what I'm getting at is, is don't be afraid to take a step away from everything and all the noise and try to take care of yourself or reassess your life in a way to where you really have to align what's important to you and what's in front of you. A lot of times, you know, like social media and Facebook and um, Instagram, just whatever it is, like it, it might distract you from the things that are right in front of you that are really important. You know, like spending extra time with your kids or calling your parents or a couple of friends that you haven't talked to because now everybody's just kind of like, well, most people should be at home. <laughs> I'm not saying everybody is. But the friends that you're not out drinking with, like building those relationships are really important and, and maintaining those things do take work. It might not take a lot of work, but it does take some work. So all that to say is don't forget about the people around you in your life that are important because they're not always going to be there. And COVID is a perfect example of that, of, you know, somebody could go, you know, you could lose a family member in a couple weeks. So, you know, like don't take for granted the people that are in your life and um, probably the only other thing that i can think of is is also do everything you can to take care of yourself i notice right now people are not taking the best care of themselves when they're home it's easier when you like have a routine and you go to work and you're like oh after work i go to the gym and blah 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 now you don't do mm-hmm. any of those things and even if you can't do the same things that you were doing before doesn't mean you can't do other things that might help get you over you know like this little bump in the road big bump hill whatever you want to call it so um and the only thing the other thing that i'm thinking of which a friend actually mentioned that he was doing this is he's starting to do community service and granted he has time because he's like yeah he's like now i went from like a 45 hour a week job he's like Mm -hmm. he's like realistically i work like 20 hours a week and watching Netflix for like 10. Yeah. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, so now I'm doing community service. But, you know, if you have the time and you have the energy, like local food banks, um, you know, big brothers, big sisters, like any of those types of organizations to where you can kind of help guide the next generation of people. Uh, yeah. Talk some sense into them. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, it's true. Yeah. The, the, that's both. Those, those those type of things are huge. Uh, the lady just told me about a, a different one because I think a lot of people often think about those that are a little bit disadvantaged or in some in some rough places. Um, and then the next thought is you know taking care of the kids in the next generation. But she just came across an article about um, pen pals for the elderly because apparently they don't have the ability to. Well, one a lot of them might be a little bit difficult with technology. Um, a lot of them might have the ability to meet family or friends because of the COVID and everything that's going on. They can't be visited. So they're there by themselves. It's, you know, there's only so much TV and Netflix, you know, a, a 70, 80 year old, you know, that, you know, maybe has partial dementia, whatever the case is. But 
um, but just having somebody to reach out to. So, you know, like sending them a postcard, sending them a handwritten letter, like that can be, mean the world to them when they haven't seen and spoken to anybody that I guess they could feel like cares about them in months now, you know? So it's just a different avenue to kind of get out and, you know, contribute back to the community. I think it's just super helpful. You know, and a lot of it is just, you know, it's hard to maintain those relationships. Oh, go ahead. So I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with an app called Nextdoor, but if you're not, Sounds familiar. so you can download the app. It's basically like a forum for your neighborhood. So imagine like Reddit, but less hateful because it's your neighbors, right? <laughs> um, but the, the point I'm getting to is there's actually a feature I saw on the app that allows you, and it says, it's called a help map. And what it does is it shows anyone in your neighborhood <clears throat> that is offered to provide help. So you can set yourself up as like a little beacon on your next door app and you can say what it is that you can help someone with. So if like if you say, hey I grocery shop two days a week, if you know if you need groceries on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I can pick up groceries for you, neighbor, if you're unable to get out. But I thought it was such a cool little thing, right? Because I, I mean again I live in the that is a really good idea. seniors. Yeah. yeah. So um so I saw that today and yeah. I think it's a good outlet, right? It's just an option, assuming right issue could be they're not great technology, but again, cool little thing of like, we want a good way to get to know your neighbors and also be helpful. Like maybe that's a, a simple way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, getting the whole community involved and things like that, I mean, it makes a world of difference, especially for those who feel that they can't get out and even for those that can get out and maybe either choose not to like it's a it's just bringing th- bringing people together for positive reasons rather than negative is i think what we really need right now so um gentlemen i have to say thank you this has been awesome i think you guys i mean we're getting getting close but i think uh we've been spot on with trying to nail you know what it means to get kind of out of our heads and, and into the music life as well as you know your your bits of, of plug and all that kind of stuff so thank you for your time today i think it's been huge um as far as all of our listeners thank you guys for tuning in you can also find all of our um content using the handle at ideaprov on all of our social medias so facebook and youtube or on twitter instagram follow us reach out to to us if you want to be on the show have any new ideas or just you know generally want to talk about the comment you can also hit us up at um ideaprov.live that's our website you can go there and kind of follow along with all the action and all the new episodes thank you and until next time